0: Well, good morning, church. I mean, I felt like when I arrived, I needed to introduce myself again to people. I don't know, I seem like I missed one week and like everyone just misses me. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but for those of you who don't know, my name's Mark. I haven't been in the pulpit for a few weeks. So if you've recently come, I'm one of the, the pastors at Stirling, And it's exciting to be sharing God's word with you today. If you'd like to turn to Matthew 5, if you've taken Joe's advice, you should have a little mark there already, flick it open. But, but as I've been preparing for the sermon this morning, it's been, it's been one of those roller coaster journeys of a week. It's been a real time for soul searching for me. It's a passage that has challenged me, it's been a reality checker, um, I think as Joe, a few weeks ago, spoke about meekness, so today's one has kind of gripped me more than I think it may have gripped you. So, so hopefully I can share it well and share my journey with you. But let's pray, and then we'll read from Matthew 5, verse 1 to 7. So Lord, just thank you for your word. Thank you that, that your word is written to us to, to help us in, in godliness, to help us in, in living, but also in correction, Lord, of, of where we've gone wrong. So just pray that your word will will both speak to us and guide us today. Pray for this in your name. Amen. Matthew 5 verse 1. Jesus, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them these sayings. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And then today's one. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. As a a congregation, over the past few weeks, we've gone through a journey where where we've had a call to to become poor in spirit. Where we understand who we are before God. I come with nothing but a broken heart and allow Him to work. It's, It's not about my reputation it's not about my achievements but it's rather all about god we have mourned our sin we have mourned the state of the world around us it's the only way to become poor in spirit is when we understand it's it's a natural flow sorry from becoming poor in spirit when we understand who we are before god our sin can't enter that picture so we need to mourn it we had the challenging one of becoming meek where we realize that it's not about me, but rather it's about God and His glory. When, I'm a, when I get hurt, when I get offended, or when people offend me, it, it's not about my reputation I need to uphold, but it's about God's name that I need to uphold. And last week, as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, as we have this desire to know God more and more, we have this desire for righteousness, this desire to be more and more like God. It's the driving force behind us. It's, it's, the, it's the oomph to keep going, that we want to be more and more like God. We're not satisfied where we are, but we want to grow more and more and more. But today, as we enter the Beatitudes, it's, it's almost in a sense that we, we're changing gears, We've, we've gone through the first four, and, and Martin Lloyd-Jones explains, and Joe's already shared this, but, but the Beatitudes are, are like a ladder and a foundation. We need each one to be in place in order to move up, but at no point do we ever leave one. We need all of them. It's not, it's not a, we can do this one this week, and next week we stand up and we have to do something else, but rather we need these continually in our life. It's an ongoing process that we are on. We realize that we need God again and again. We realize again and again that we need to mourn our sin. We need to seek God's glory over our own. And we need to stay hungry and thirsty for righteousness. There's no point that we we grow out of it. There's no point that we become stagnant. There's no point that we become stale. But rather there's this desire to go more and more. But because of the steps we've gone through, because of the the fall that we followed before... Um, we see that there's a shift. Uh, Martin Lloyd Jones explains them as, as a mountain, as we have built up to the peak of the mountain, and and in his opinion, the peak is those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's the that's the goal. That's what we that's what we want to be. There's no point in, in being a Christian, but we're just happy to to stay at the bottom. There's this need there's this need to be hungry hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And now he says, on this point, we start to go down the mountain. Doesn't make them less important, doesn't make them second grade, that they're not on top of the mountain, but rather they're a result of being on top of the mountain. We have to get there in order to do this. There's a shift from being hungry and thirsty for righteousness to showing mercy to those around us. And and in a sense, we, we move from who we are or who we need to be to what we need to be or what we need to be doing and my first point today is that that this passage is not a call to do something I know this sounds very contradictory because I've just said that this we've moved from who we need to be to what we need to do but if, if you're anything like me if someone tells me this is what you need to do I'm gonna go out and try and do it I'm gonna I want to see it done I want to get it done but this is not what Jesus is calling us to. It doesn't say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Therefore be merciful, for you shall receive mercy. Rather, again, it's another beatitude. Congratulations, you know, happiness for, for showing mercy. It's not, a, it's not a call to do something, but rather, as, as R.T. Kendall says, that a Christian is something before he does anything. We need to be Christian before we can act as a Christian. There needs to be a change that happens, and this isn't a change that's earned by doing stuff. This isn't a change that's earned by by going out and showing mercy. But rather, as we look look at the four rungs of the ladder that we've climbed already, it's, it's the result of those. We need to understand who we are before God. We need to mourn our sin. We need to seek God's interests over our own. We need to grow in our hunger and thirst for righteousness. We understand that without God we're nothing. And this is true, church. We realize that with that, that God, in God we have everything that is required for godliness. We, we can't go out and, and do this by ourselves. We can't go out and show mercy in our own strength. It's not a call just to do something to, to get the badge. This is not the call to, to go out and and, it, and go and achieve, but rather to result of what's already happened inside of us. A while back I had a, a conversation with someone and, and he, he defined Christianity for me as a set of rules that we need a father. And, and in a sense I couldn't disagree with him fully. There was a part of me going, you, you're very right, the Bible tells us to do this and not to do that. But, but to see it just as a set of rules, to see it as just something that we need to do, loses the whole heart behind why we're called to do it. But rather it would be better to say, who I am in Christ, the salvation that I have, the, the salvation that is inside of me, controls me. The salvation that I have is, is the driving force to do what I do. The spirit that, that works and leads me, controls me and guides me, helps me do what I'm called to do. Therefore, we can't say that we are called to be merciful, but rather to result of what's happened in our heart, rather a result of, of who I am in Christ, the Spirit leading and guiding me. As Paul says, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me. It's, it's Christ that is in us. It's Christ that, that works through us. It's, God, it's Christ that guides us. Mercy is the result of salvation. It's not something that we earn it's not something that we do to earn our salvation. We're not called to be merciful, therefore we will receive mercy. And some people have interpreted this passage to say that, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. They have a thought that, that if I show mercy to others, God will show mercy to me. That actually it flows out of, we show, God's already shown mercy to us, therefore we show mercy to others. This beatitude is, is not calling us to play pretend. It's not calling us to put up our masks, to cover up, to to hide away or or just to to act. I think it's so often as, as Christians we we do so well. We we all could be actors on stage. You know, we, we we do and we do and we do and we do, but the reality is where is our heart behind it? Where is the heart in, in what we're doing? But rather, we, as we see our position in Christ, that we are, we are born again, there's a rebirth that has taken place. Our, our salvation is not found by our works, but rather by, by the grace of God. We are a new creation, and therefore this position controls us. This position guides us. This position leads us to where we need to be. Simply put, we are, we become, we are. And therefore, the natural result is that we do. I think for us today, we often go, we do so that we can become. But rather, we already are, therefore we need to do. Mercy is not something we do to earn our salvation, but a result of the salvation that we already have. The result of, of becoming poor in spirit. That it's, before God, I am nothing. Before God, uh, my good the good things that I've done are like filthy rags. need a broken and contrite heart before him. We have mourned our sin. We have mourned the sin around us. We have mourned the condition of the world. We've we've grown in meekness. That is not about me, but it's about God. And I have a hunger and a thirst for more and more of God each day. Therefore, I go and be merciful. Not I be merciful to grow more and more in knowledge of God. So secondly, what is mercy as we speak about this topic? The best way to explain it is, is to compare it against grace. And often as you read scripture, you'll see grace and mercy right next to each other. And, and therefore, it would be easy to assume that, that they kind of the same, thing, same word to describe the same, two different words to describe the same thing. You know, they, they very seldom are, are apart in scripture but rather they, they, they work together. So it would be easy to think that they, they're the same thing, but they are not the same thing. Rather, they complement each other so well. They, they make it easier to understand one or the other. So grace, as we, we've spoken about before, is, is associated with man's sin, getting what we don't deserve, forgiveness instead of wrath. So, so we, we deserved wrath, but we were forgiven. That is grace. Grace is the pardon from sin. And grace has a cleansing action. It, it washes us clean. Where mercy is associated with the misery of man. And it's, and it's not getting what we do deserve. Where grace is we're getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is we're not getting what we do deserve. We deserved wrath except God shows us mercy. It is the relief from the effects of sin And it is help and healing. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, Grace looks down upon the sin of man as a whole, while mercy looks down on the consequences of sin on man. Therefore, mercy is a loving response prompted by the misery and helplessness of the world and people around us. But again, I'm going to beat the same drum. Uh, When I spoke to Joe during the week, I said, I feel like Half my sermon is going to be a recap of everything that's happened. Because one, I need to, as I was preparing, I realized that I need to remember these steps. It's, it's, not, it's easy to go into to do mode or, or achievement mode where you just, I need to do this. But actually what, we, we call, what, what the scripture is calling us for is, is mercy as a result of what's happened in us already. We understand the mercy that God has shown to us. We have mourned our sin which we deserved wrath for. We are growing in meekness where we understand it's not about me. When I, It's not about me when I show mercy, but it's rather about God's glory that, that takes center stage. And as I hunger and thirst for righteousness to be more and more like God, I understand how merciful God is. If, if our desire is to be more and more like God, if our desire is to, to imitate God as Peter shared in a prayer meeting before, our desire is to imig- imitate God as, as beloved children. We realize how merciful God is, therefore, we want to imitate that. We, we're not trying to do this on our own. But mercy can also be, def- mercy to, to the world around us could be defined as pity in action. Church, let us, let us not fall into the trap of becoming an ach shame congregation. Mercy is pity plus action. We are good at showing pity. I, I, I think I do it quite well. We see injustice. We see the hurting. We see the broken. And often my response is, Ach shame. I feel sorry for them. And, and, and a, a searching of my heart realized that I really do feel sorry for them. But the result is that there's no action. There's, there's nothing that actually shows that I feel sorry for them. The best biblical story of this is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, I'm going to retell you as the, the Mark paraphrased edition. I feel like I have a few cool parts to add. But you know, you see that a, a young lawyer comes to Jesus and wants to test him, which, which is never a good idea. Like, don't, don't try to test Jesus. But rather... Jesus was teaching on, on loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And the young man comes to Jesus and goes, I've got a very good question for you, Jesus. Who is my neighbor? He thought he had Jesus stumped yeah, Like, Buddy, however you answer this, you've got to be careful. But Jesus tells us this story. There was a man walking on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. He got mugged, left for dead on the side of the road. There was no hope for him at all. But a priest walked up towards him, and seeing the condition of the man, he goes, Ach shame, I feel sorry for you, and walks past on the other side of the road. He does nothing to help the man besides feel sorry for him. Next, the Levite walks up, or walk, walks towards the man. This is a man who works in the temple. Of course he's going to help. This is what the, the guy sees him and goes, Here we go. This is, this is my ticket out of here. But the Levite sees the man and goes, Ach shame, I don't want to touch you because if I touch you, it's going to make me ceremonially unclean. So I'm just going to feel very sorry for you and walk past. Now the man is probably about 75% dead because at the start of the story, he was, he was left half dead. So in my mind, he's, he's moving closer. You know, and, and the man... There's a man walking towards him and he thinks you know here's my final shot but the man gets closer and he sees that that's a samaritan and all of a sudden all hope is gone jews and samaritans don't get along they don't help each other they don't hang out they they in a sense hated each other they they wouldn't be seen associated together the man's gut response must have been that, that this is where I'm going to die, on the side of the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. But the man bends down, pulls him out of the ditch, dresses his wounds, puts him on his donkey, travels with him into town, places the man in an inn, pays for his medical expenses. He is the one who, who went ach shame and acted. He is the one who showed mercy. It, is, it results in action. Church, let us not become a, a group of people who just go, Ach shame. But let our mercy flow out in action. And as I thought about this, I couldn't give you the answer on how to do this. But it doesn't mean giving money to each person you see. It, but it does mean giving time to each person that we see. I was I was challenged by this myself this week that that I have this tendency to lose stuff in my car as soon as someone appears at my window. I don't know if anyone else has that, I won't ask you to put your hand up. I don't know, I wasn't looking for anything until they appeared at my window, then all of a sudden I couldn't find something. But I was just challenged by, by what one of my, my lecturers said at college, that, that it takes nothing to give time, or it costs nothing to give time. So I get caught in Devra Avenue traffic quite often, so I've become very good friends with the guy who tries to sell me cell phone chargers. I think he just is excited because he thinks one day I may buy something. <laughs> like that's why he's there. He's like, "Okay, eventually he's gonna buy something from me." But all it is is just how are you doing? How's your day? It's it's just taking that time. It's not giving money. It's not. It's not. Sometimes it's needed, but it doesn't mean we have to do it for every person we see. But it means also giving time and energy. And that's draining. But that's a good thing. Because as I realized again in preparation, if, if we could do it in our own strength, it would be easy. But rather what, we, what we've been called to do is not something that we can do by ourselves, but rather it comes from a result of who we are in Christ. It comes from a result of the work that God's done in us. We see His mercy... And and our result is to show mercy to those around us. If we look at the order of the Beatitudes, I think this sermon series would be quite a boring series if if number one was blessed are the merciful. Because I think we would still be on that passage today. We would still be stuck in, in that. It would be the longest sermon series ever. Because we wouldn't get past this step by ourselves. But when we understand who we are before God, the depths of our sin... That we need to keep Christ as the, the central figure. We need a desire for more and more of God. We realize the mercy that God has shown us. The mercy that has poured out on us. The mercy that has continued to be poured out on us. And it's not because we're the best people, it's not because we, we're the A grade students that now God is happy to show us mercy. It wasn't even that we deserved the mercy, but, but Christ showed it, or God showed it to us through Christ. And as we're going to Easter, there's, next week, there's, there's a sense to remember that. That God showed us mercy because of who He is. That He's, he's rich in mercy, He's slow to anger, He's abounding in love. And there's a call today that, that it will be easy to look at this and go, I'm going to go try to do this by myself. But there's, there's a greater need for salvation. There's a need for, for Christ in us before we even start. We need to understand who we are before God, before we even start to do anything for God. We need to understand our position in Christ, that we can work out of that. The reality today, as I realized this week, is that mercy is often against our human nature. We want to see people suffer for the wrongs that they've done against us. We want to see them get punished for the hurt that they've caused. We don't want to forgive because we feel like they're undeserving of it. But because of our position in Christ, that changes everything. We once were sinners who deserved wrath. But God, who was rich in mercy, showed us love. So mercy needs to result in action. So we need to show mercy to the world around us. We need to show mercy to those we we counteract. But I know there's some of you today sitting there asking this question. Mark, how do we show mercy when we've been sinned against? It's easy, in my mind, it's often easier to show mercy to other people when it's a third party. You know, it's, it's give a bit of time or give, give something away. You know, it, that's the easy part. But how do we show mercy when we've been sinned against? The reality is that, that as we look at the situation when we've been sinned against, we hold the power. We hold all the cards. we we in control of the situation. We have the power to hold it so tight and so close. Or we have the power to let it go. And I think sometimes we, we live out of this expression, I will forgive but I'll never forget. We're so easy to want to wanna forgive but, but still hold it. We still want to wanna bring it out when it's needed. You know, we, we load up the gun, but at that moment we've got bullets to fire. Just in case. We want to forgive, but we don't want to forget. But what Jesus tells us is, is show mercy. It's letting go. He, he makes this bold statement of turning the other cheek. And as I thought about it, it, it's not just that the guy swung from the other side, but rather that you actually need to turn your head. It's, I've been hit here yeah, and I now need to go, okay, there's that side as well. It, it's, this, it's this active fight that we're in. It doesn't mean that we become the punching bag for society. But rather, it take, mercy takes everything that we have to give. R.T. Kendall speaks about two types of mercy that we, we can show. The first is affectionate mercy. This is the mercy that we show when people have sinned against us, when they've wronged us. But they've come to us to apologize. They've come to us to, to seek amends. It's a lot easier to forgive someone when they, in a sense, want to be forgiven. It, we, we show mercy out of affection for them. We show mercy out of the love that we have received. Mercy is not just letting someone off the hook, but rather it, it's, it's forgetting it happened. There may be consequences for what has happened, and, and that, that needs to take place. Whether it's... it's yeah whatever the consequences are. But we show mercy and we forgive. We, we don't hold it for the next time something comes up, but rather we, we let it go. But then he also speaks about the next type of mercy, which kind of took me a few hours to grasp. But he speaks about aggressive mercy. This may seem like a strange term, but it's so true. When we show mercy to the person in our minds, is so undeserving of it. The reality is that our aggression is is not towards the other person, but towards ourselves. He says it, it takes everything we have to beat ourselves down, to remove ourselves. It's not about me, but it's about God. We remember our position before God. We've mourned our sin. We've mourned the sin of the world around us. And most importantly, we've mourned the sin that's been committed against us. We've made it more about God's reputation than mine. We're seeking God's fame over ours. Therefore, we realize it's, it's, it's not about me. I need to become less to show more mercy. I need to become, I need to realize the mercy that I've received in order to show mercy to others. Jesus illustrates this so well when he tells us the story of the, the parable of the two debtors. One man's huge debt is forgiven by the manager. Millions, wipes it clean, but the same man who was forgiven walks outside, sees someone who owes him ten rand, and gets him thrown in jail because he hasn't paid it. Church, let us not create a double standard. Let us not think that we, are deserve, we deserve mercy because of who we are and not want to show it to others around us. Let us, let us fight to remain humble. Let us fight to be merciful. Let us not not seek to show revenge to those who have sinned against us, but rather let's fight to show mercy. Let us beat ourselves down so more of Christ can show through. So the challenge today, church, is mercy is probably the hardest thing to do if we're going to do it alone, but also the fairest thing that we can do because we consider the mercy that we have received. We understand the sin that we were in, that Christ saved us out of, and the mercy that He showed us, and and the reality as I wrap up is is not willing to not being willing to show mercy to others, shows that we still self-righteous, we still self-sufficient. It shows that we are not poor in spirit, that we are not meek, that we have not mourned our sin, and we have no hunger and thirst for righteousness. We feel like we can do this by ourselves. Don't, don't mis me. I'm not saying if we, if we struggled with it once or twice this week that the fact that we're struggling with it means we're striving for it. But if we have no desire for it, then we really need to come before God and, and search our hearts. On Friday, as I was preparing the sermon, I was driving home, got cut off in traffic, and, and Joe, Joe and I have this, he knows me well in this situation, My gut response was, you know, I've been sinned against, you know, I've sat in this traffic for 20 minutes and this guy just, and then all of a sudden everything I just spoke about kind of started ringing in my own heart. It's not so much about me, but at the same time I realized, and and Joe and I spoke about this on Friday as well, that that as I was preparing this and, and as that incident happened on Friday, that... That there's still, I still need to become poorer in spirit than what I already am. I still I still have sin that I need to mourn. Meekness is something that's an ongoing process. We we don't quite we think we're there, but there's a little bit more that we need to go. And there's there's still the hunger and thirst for righteousness that that needs to grow in me. So so the goal is that we become these things, but the the. The reality is that we can't neglect being merciful because we don't think we're there yet. But rather as we grow in these, as we grow in, in our relationship with God, so mercy flows out of that. Let us not lose heart. Let us not think that, that this is a goal that we need to achieve. But let us strive on. And as, as I wanted to wrap up today, I thought you know it would be great if I could give you five points to take home to be merciful. But the reality is that, that the Beatitudes aren't calling us to do something, but rather to be something. So it, it flows out of who we are, it flows out of our position in Christ. Church, let us not go out and feel like this is a goal that we need to achieve, but rather let's go out understanding who we are in Christ and live out of that. Let us flow, let that flow in us, let that us, flow through us as we show mercy to the world around us. Let us pray. So Lord, I just thank you for, for your word. Thank you that your word encourages us, corrects us, shows us who we are before you. So Lord, I just pray today that that again we will we'll seek our hearts before you, that, that we'll get rid of the stuff that we need to get rid of. Make it more about you than about us, Lord. So Lord, I just pray for us in this in this journey that we're on, Lord, that we don't we don't feel like we've made it, but at the same time we don't lose heart because it, it may seem so distant for us. So Lord, I just pray as we go into this week that, that you'll just guide our hearts, lead us, correct us, Lord. So we pray for this in your name. Amen.